Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, thanks so much for coming on out. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor around here. If I didn't meet you on the way in, I apologize. Hopefully I get to meet you on the way out. But today's a great day to be here. It's a great day to visit because we're kicking off a brand new series. And when I mean brand new, I mean it is brand new. We've never touched some of this content before. And we are calling it Ask Me Anything AMA. Now, I'm going to walk you through the, how this series came to be. I don't know if you're familiar at all with the website called Reddit. I know some of you are, many of you are not. Um, Reddit, the best way that I can describe it, it's a website where you can go on and you can interact with people all over this country and all over this world on any number of topics, okay? Uh, like whatever you're into, there is a subreddit for it, okay? If you're into Jeeps, you can go on there. You want to do Christian stuff, you can go on there. I mean, anything. Whatever you want, it's there. You can talk to them. But one of the most interesting things that this website, Reddit, sort of started was this one forum called AMA, Ask Me Anything. And inside this particular forum, you are given the opportunity to interact with all kinds of sort of experts in their field, scientists, celebrities, you name it, these folks are doing these AMAs. To give you an idea, Bill Gates. He did an AMA, okay? And this is him showing his little card, verifying that you are in fact talking to him and you could speak to him and you can pick his brain about what's going on and seeing what he thinks. A lot of actors do it, right? Benedict Cumberbatch, here he is. He did an AMA. And again, you can talk to them and find out all kinds of really cool things. Even some bigwigs like President Obama, he did one. Here he is using his official Twitter, just letting you know, hey, it's me. I'll be taking your questions today. Ask anything. I'm here to answer it. And so it got me thinking, what if God actually did one of these AMAs? What would it look like if he just kind of signed on and go, all right, I'm here. What do you got for me? Ask me anything. And so what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks is we're going to be looking at potential questions that we might ask of God if he were to do an AMA. Now, here's sort of the idea behind these questions. Um, we're not going to be doing sort of what I'll call Bible trivia questions, okay? We're not going to be asking God where the dinosaurs are in the Bible. Okay? We're not going to ask him if Noah's Ark was actually real or what the end times are going to look like, because he ain't going to tell you that one anyway, okay? Because I just feel like if you had one shot to ask God a question, right? To shoot your shot, so to speak. If you had one, like one shot to ask one question, I just feel like those, mm, I don't know, it's like the best question. I mean, interesting, but just not like the best question to ask. And so the questions we are going to be asking are questions that I think we're already asking. I, I think these are the types of questions that we sort of think about and pray about and mull over as we're kind of, you know, brushing our hair in the mirror, brushing our teeth. These are things that, you know, you're pondering when you're, when you're taking a shower. Or these are questions that plague your mind while your head is on your pillow before you go to bed at night. And so to kick off, we're going to ask a question that I think all of us perhaps have asked. Perhaps some of you are asking right now. But all of us, I think, in the future will at least ask this question. And I'm just going to say this. This particular question is definitely the uh, hardest question of the series to cover. So I figured, you know, let's just come out of the gate with a bang. 
or a bus, depending on how today goes. I don't know. Okay, so, so today what I want us to do, and I hate to say even answer the question, it's more like we're going to wrestle with this question. The question we're going to try to wrestle with today is, what does God want me to do? Now, I'll just tell you this. In my career in ministry, this is the number one question that I get. John, what does God want me to do? Or, or what is God's plan for my life? Or what is God's will for my life? I mean, other than, you know, hey, is this a sin? This is like the number one question. And by the way, if you're asking, hey, is this a sin? Let me tell you something. You're trying to get closer to sin than you are to God. All right, different sermon for a different day. So this is a big question. And I'm sure some of you asked this question before because I've had conversations with you about this question. And if you're asking this question, that tells me something about you. It tells me that you love God. It tells me that you are very interested in hearing from God, that you are very interested in living a life that is pleasing to God. You want God involved in your life. Because many of you have you know, a lot going on. You have significant decisions that you need to be making. Career moves, talking to a lot of people about, you know, I lost my job and I'm looking for this job, right? I'm, I, what do you think about this? You have geographical moves. Should I leave Fort Lauderdale? Should I move to South Florida? Relationship questions. Should I date this person? Should, should, should we get married? Should I stay? You know, all the, should we buy the new house? Should we have another kid? Should we have a kid? All these massive questions. And now you finally have your moment with God. He's logged on for an AMA and you type, what does God want me to do? What do you want for my life, Lord? Now, when we ask this question, I was thinking about this week. When we ask this question of God, I think what we're really looking for are sort of specific details. When we pray to God and we say, God, can you reveal your will for my life, your plan for my life? Can you reveal to me what you, what you want me to do? We really want specific plans. Hey, God, can you just tell me exactly, please, exactly what you want me to do? Because I need details. I need bullet points. Okay, I need charts. I need diagrams. Can you send me a PowerPoint presentation? You know what John does in the slides where he bolds a couple of words so I know which words to pay? Can you do that for me? Any chance you could just film yourself on a YouTube video so I can pause, rewind, and rewatch it again and take notes? Because unless I know for sure, I mean, beyond a shadow of a doubt, what it is that you want me to do, well, then I just can't move forward in life. I sound like you? Sound like me sometimes. Okay, but let me guess. He's not giving you what you want. He hasn't sort of, you know, pulled back the curtains and said, okay, here's what me and the boys are working on up here. What do you think, okay? <laughs> he hasn't revealed this sort of grand plans for your life, which tells me something. Maybe he doesn't want to give you all the details. Because if you had all the details, what wouldn't you need? There are times in scripture when God does give us what I'll call a specific plan, where he does reveal a specific plan for somebody's life. He did it a number of times. He did it with David. We're going to talk about him a little later on. He did it with Moses. He did it with Mary, the mother of Jesus. Each of these people were given specific plans dictated to them by God. I want you to do this. I want you to go here. I want you to say this. You're going to see this. And when you see this happen, you're going to do this. Okay, now here's the thing. In each of these specific cases, these folks weren't looking for God's plan. 
They weren't going around and going, I wonder what God wants me to do, okay? In all of these instances, God interrupted their life. Showed up out of nowhere as a prophet, as an angel, as a burning bush, and he changed the course of their life forever. And there was no mistaking what God wanted them to do. Now, truth be told, I believe there comes a time in all of our lives when God sort of steps in with a, what I'll call a divine interruption. And it's very clear sort of what God wants you to do. It is very clear that God's hand is in this particular thing, but to receive a specific plan for your life from God is definitely, as far as I can tell from scripture, the exception and not the rule. Now, in the past, we've kind of touched on this, this topic before, this idea of what would God have me do with a particular decision in my life? We actually talked about it during the quarantine in the series, It's All in Your Head, um, if you can remember back that far. And, and, and this was the idea, and you can go back and listen to it if you want. This is the idea that we do have decisions, like we talked about earlier, and I gave you tools that would help you kind of discern God's direction, sort of how do we hear from God in our own lives? And, and if you remember, we talked about we have to seek godly wisdom. We got, we got to talk to the friends and family that God has put in our path. We need to be reading scripture, looking for God's wisdom and his principles to find out what happens when we do certain things. And lastly, we need to be praying that God opens and closes doors. And all of these things are good things. And all these things are things that we should be doing before we make these major decisions in our life. However, I'll just say this. I'm not sure this particular message and these particular tools were helpful in helping us understand God's will, kind of his grand plan, if you will, for our lives. Because I'm still having the same conversations with the same people about God's will for their life. And I was thinking about it as I'm sort of getting older and, and having more of these conversations and learning more about how we all work. What has become clear to me now is that we as humans, we get, we get so focused on like the next thing that we miss out on the first thing. We get so hyper-focused, so obsessed, arguably paralyzed in some situations, in, in sort of knowing what the next big thing is that God has way out there in the horizon for me, that we actually miss what God has for us right here, right in front of us. So today, in attempting to answer the question, what does God want me to do? I actually think the best course of action is for us to find out, okay, if we're talking about what God wants for me, I think we got to find out what God cares about. Because if we can figure out what God cares about, that'll change everything in how you perceive your life and the future and God's hand in that. So where do we begin? Micah, who is one of the great prophets from the Old Testament, said something very important for us today. He said this in Micah 6, 8. The Lord has told you, human, most of you are human here, what is good. And he has told you what he wants from you. Ooh, good, 
big moment, right? This is what we've been asking. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want from my life? What do you want me to do? Tell me. This is why we're here. This is why I've logged on. What do you want me to do? Well, he wants you to do what is right to other people. He wants you to love being kind to others. And he wants you to live humbly, obeying your God. So as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ here today, what does God want for your life? That. This is what he wants you to do. Wherever you are, in whatever job you have, in whatever relationship you find yourself on, in, in whatever city you live, this right here is what God wants you to do. This is his will for your life. Now, when I look at this list, and I'll break it up for you, and I read things like, do what is right to others, love being kind to others, and live humbly, obeying God. Do you know what this tells me? This list tells me that God prioritizes relationships and right living over, let's call it, specific duties and specific plans. And this is huge for our lives. So let me flesh this out for the rest of the day, because this is where we're, I think we're going to learn a lot. When it comes to God's will for your life, what this shows us in the context of all the rest of scripture is that God cares about the who before the do. Meaning when it comes to God's will for your life, he cares more about who you are as a person than what you do vocationally, right? What you do as a job, let's say, let's say it that way. Paul would look at us and goes, all right, you want to know what God's will is for your life? God's will is for you to be holy. That's God's will for your life. God's will is for you to be holy. Doesn't say God's will for your life is to be an accountant. He doesn't say God's will for your life is to be a teacher or a personal trainer. It says God's will for your life is to be holy. Now, that is not me saying God's will for your life is not to be an accountant or not to do those jobs. All of this is showing us is that God is more concerned, more concerned about who you are as a person than what you do vocationally. Now, this word holy here, this word means that he, he wants us to be set apart. That's what that word means. He wants you to be different. That if you were a follower of Jesus Christ, you are not to look like the world. You are not to be driven by the values of this world. We are to be conformed to the image of Christ. Meaning every single day after we have said yes to Jesus Christ, our goal is to look more and more and more like Jesus Christ. Now, when you look at Jesus' life, this is really interesting. He doesn't actually ever really talk about people's careers. He only talks about their characters, their character. And for that matter, the only time he does talk about people's jobs is when he invites them to leave their job and come follow him. Because who you're following is more important than what you do. So what does God want me to do? We ask this question. What does God want me to do? It's a natural question to ask. I think we're all asking this question. But a better question to ask, after we really begin to see what, what God is interested in, a better question to ask is, who does God want me to become? And when you start here, when you start with the who, when you start with becoming the person that God has called you to be, it eventually leads you to the right do. God cares about the who before the do. 
So I might look at my life, right? I examine my life, and, and I may ask the question, well, is it God's will that I'm a pastor, right? Maybe. Right? Signs point to yes, okay? It's, you know, we don't, I'm going to speak for certain, but signs point to yes. Certainly is the best way for me to use my education. It's certainly the best way for me to you know, sort of capitalize on the experiences of my past. It's the best way for me to use the, the limited gifts that I have been given to serve my family, to serve other people, and to serve God. So yes, it would appear to be to me that this would be God's will for my life. But stick with me on this. I would argue that me being a pastor is actually God's secondary will. His primary will, as Paul told us, is that I am holy. His primary will is more about my character than my career. Because a pastor is just what I do. It's not who I am. Because I could be a pastor and I could be out of God's will if my character is crumbling and, and, and my heart is not right with God. I could, I could preach a great message, but if I'm uh, you know, uh, abusive to my wife, then I'm out of God's will. I could be some charismatic leader. I'm not. Potentially, you know, I might be, I'm not one, but if I were to be a charismatic leader, I could do all of that. But, but if my private life is in moral shambles, then I'm out of God's will. Why? Because who I am as a person matters more to God than what I do. So how do we apply this to other parts of our lives? If you might find yourself asking the question, should I date this person or not? Doesn't matter who you date. Whoever you're dating, date with integrity while serving Jesus. Do what God would call you to do as you're dating the person you're with. Worry more about who you are and serve Jesus there. What about, should I take that job or, or should I just stay where I am? Let's pull back from the specifics for a second. It doesn't matter where you are. Be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ there. Whatever you do, wherever you are, worry more about serving Christ in that capacity. Because before you think about the do in the future, think about the who in the present. Because God is incredibly concerned about who you are as a person. Let's just get real for a second. Because many Christians, they, they want to know God's plan for their life. What does God want me to do? But the truth is, if we're being honest, we fail to follow the plan that he's already given us for our lives. Because how many commands has he given us from generosity to sex that we as Christians just blatantly ignore? Or that we as Christians just culturally whitewash or find loopholes to avoid? Folks, if, if, if we are not listening to God's plan for our lives right now, what makes us think he's going to reveal more to us? God's will is who before do. The second thing we learn about God's will, we learn that he cares more about the why than the what. Meaning, our motives matter to the heart of God. 
Why you do what you do matters to God. Scripture says, you may think everything you do is right, but the Lord judges your motives. And if we're being honest with ourselves, if we really begin to examine why we do things in this world, I think our motives can actually be kind of disturbing sometimes. I actually think our, our motives at times can be gross and self-centered. And rarely, if we're being honest with ourselves, which we don't like to do that, rarely are our motives God-centered or even other-centered. One day, King David prayed this prayer. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me, there it is, that's what we've been asking for, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. If you ever get the courage to pray this prayer one day, watch out, because God will put a spotlight on your motives and it might not be pretty. But here's what David knew, and here's why we're talking about this, and here's why it's so important for us. It is almost impossible. It is almost impossible to get to the right place in life when you got the wrong motives. It is almost impossible to get to the right destination when you start out with the wrong why. The why matters to God which means that as followers of Jesus Christ, we got to be examining our why all over the place. For example, let's just say, practically speaking, uh, you want to buy a new car. Okay, great. Let's ask why. Why do you want to buy a new car? Is it because you can afford it and you just want, you know, reliable transportation? Or are you trying to make a statement that you can't afford? Sounds like that person was. <laughs> Okay? I, I, like when you compliment somebody, right? We're all complimentary people. When you compliment somebody, are you being genuine? Or are you just trying to get something from them? When you post a picture on Instagram, is it because it is truly meaningful to you and you believe it would be encouraging to those people around you who see it? Or are you just trying to make others jealous? Or perhaps even cover up something in your own life. It's these little things. Our motives matter to God. Paul says this, very interesting. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So what are your motives? Ask God to search your heart. Why do you do the things that you do? Are they pure? Are your motives godly? Because we want to be in the will of God, but it is almost impossible to get to the right place in life when we've got the wrong motives. That's why God cares about the why before the what. And so we ask of ourselves, God, I'm sorry, we ask God, I should say. We ask God, what do you want from me? What is your plan for my life? What's the end game? What's the big picture? What's out there on the horizon for me? What do you want me to do? And Paul says something amazing. He says, and whatever you do, whatever you do, 
whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Which means, wherever you are in life, whether, whether you're an entry-level worker or you're the CEO in the company, whether you're a student or you're the teacher, whatever you do, serve Christ there. Wherever you live, serve Christ there. Whoever you're dating, serve Christ there. Now, maybe you'd be a student and you would say something like, well, you know, I'm just a student. But one day, one day, I'm going to do something big in this world. Great. I love that. I love when you dream big. But right now, serve Jesus where you are. Instead of saying, God, what's your big plan for me out there? Serve Jesus right here. Because when you serve Jesus right here, it helps you get to the right there. Think of David, talked about in the very beginning. Now, some of you are more familiar with David than others, okay? But at the age of about 13 or so, God showed up in his life through a prophet. And God told this 13, 14-year-old boy that he would become the king of Israel. How'd you get in that news? You're 13. Hey, you're gonna be the president of the United States. Okay. Now, in all of that time, Never once do we see David asking the question, how will I become king? All we see is a young boy simply being faithful to God in the small things. What was right in front of him? And he left his future in God's hands. When he was invited to go play the harp for King Saul, he went and he played when he was asked to just go bring some lunch to his brothers who were on the front line of battle, he went and he brought them lunch. When he saw an opportunity to fight a giant named Goliath, he didn't hesitate. And eventually, he became king. Not because he tried to become king, rather it was a result of serving God in whatever was placed in his path. If you want to do something big tomorrow, do what God has called you to do today. And what has God called us all to do? He's called you to do what is right. He's called you to love others. And he's called you to live humbly, obeying him. And so instead of obsessing, and I'm going to use that word, instead of obsessing about what's out there, be faithful to God with what's right here. And when you are faithful to God with what is right here, God will get you. God will get you to the right there. Scripture says, the human mind. The human mind plans the way, but the Lord directs the steps. And that's why, and this is key. That's why when you are more focused on becoming more like Jesus, when you are focused on becoming the best who that God has called you to be, when you are more focused on keeping your motives pure and godly, then you don't have to worry about your future. Just like Jesus said you didn't. Because he's going to direct your steps. 
Now I know. Talked about this in the beginning. When we ask God, what do you want me to do? We want details, graphs, charts, diagrams. But God doesn't really work like that. At least not from what I'm seeing in scripture. But here's what we do know. If you're becoming the right who, God will help you choose the right do. If you've lived your life and you are living your life trying to get closer to Jesus Christ, if you are trying to glorify him in everything that you do in the here and the now, then you can trust, you can trust, you can trust that he'll lead you in the right direction. And if you're driven by the right why, God will lead you to the right what. So, whatever you do, Whoever you're dating, wherever you live, whatever job you have, whatever your current status is in life right now, do it all for the glory of Jesus. Don't worry about the do way out there. Worry about the who right here. So what's practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it is your first time here at DHC, every single week, we throw this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and just know exactly what to do with what you've heard. Scripture says, your word, God, is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. This means that God is going to give us just enough light, just enough light to see what's directly ahead of you. Just enough light so that you can safely take your next step. And I love the imagery of this verse. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but like when I, when I read this, I just picture kind of like a dirt path. I picture so, so an oil lamp with just enough light to keep my steps safe. But the path way ahead I can't see that because it's, it's shrouded in darkness. The light just doesn't go that far. So my question to you is this. Will you trust God with the unknown? Would you trust God with what's out there beyond the light? Would you trust him with all your plans? That he would direct your steps? Would you trust God with all of your dreams? Would you trust that he will get you to where he wants you to go? Our job isn't to worry about the future. Our job is to live for Christ right here and right now. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity that we come together and just talk about a question that we all struggle with. What do you want us to do, God? What do you have for our lives? Lord, your grand plan is so big, we could never understand it, even if we tried, but you haven't asked us to. Lord, all you've asked us to do is to trust you, to live for you in the here, in the now, to become the person that you've called us to be, and you will work out the rest. God, help us to be faithful to you. 
Help us to trust you with our lives, with our dreams, with our hopes, and help us in the present to be the best version of ourselves, the best follower of your son, Jesus, that we can possibly be. Give us the strength by the Holy Spirit. And I pray, God, that you might help us to look to the path we've already walked, to look into our past, God, so that we can see that you've actually been here the whole time. That when we've just done the right next thing, God, that was you all along. We can see your fingerprints all over our lives. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done in our lives and thank you for what you will continue to do in and through us. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.